104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Happy Boxing Day to everybody out there. Joe Weston in the studio on this, well, it's another warm, warmish December morning. Ned Reynolds is with me. Ned, how are you? Doing great, thank you, on a post-Christmas by one-day holiday. And, you know, you talk about it being, it is balmy outside, but it really does, I hate to say this, does need to get cold. It does, yeah, to kill all those insects that are out there. Josh Roberts with us today. Josh, how are you? Did you get everything on your Christmas list? I think I did, and, and more. Definitely more than I deserve, so that was nice. I And I've missed you guys. I feel like I haven't been here in a while. <laughs> yeah, we've had kind of a rotating cast here for a little bit. I'm beginning to believe that you and John are the same person because you're never here at the same time. Yeah. But that being said, let's get into sports. Let's talk about Chiefs and Chargers last week. Uh, I think if I was going to play a theme song for the Chiefs, it would be the Monkees' I'm a Believer. Because I'm a believer after that game last week. Your thoughts, Ned? It's a terrific football game. No question about it. Kelsey, who will not play today, had a huge game. In fact, in the overtime, he's the one who... Scored the winning touchdown on a spectacular broken field run. Keep in mind now, this guy is 32 years old, probably 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, weighs about two, what, 45, 250, mm-hmm. and he's showing those great athletic moves. I, I, I was really impressed with that run that he made. But over and above that, it was a, a good game between two pretty doggone good football teams. I thought that the Chargers had several chances on which they did not capitalize. But by the same token, hey, the Chiefs stayed right with them. And Kansas City's Kansas City's win is a very big one indeed. Josh, your thoughts on last week's game? I was impressed. I'm like you. I, I mean, I've, I've been off and on a believer all season with the Chiefs, but I that was a good, solid win for them. It shows that they're able to overcome the adversity that can come with these games, and that was a huge game because it puts them ahead of their in their division and puts them in the driver's seat to get a, a good seed in the playoffs. One of the things that impressed me about this game was that every win that they've had up to the Chargers game, there was a but to it. Mm-hmm. There was a but he didn't play. There was a but this was going on, but this, but that. This time, the but was on the Chiefs' side with a couple of their big defensive players missing from the lineup due to COVID protocol. And the Chiefs came out, played an outstanding game, one of Patrick Mahomes' best games of the season. And they showed that the cynics who talked about the offense having completely dissolved were totally wrong because when the Chiefs need to turn it on, they can turn it on. That's what makes them the good football team that they are. They have a a direct motivation with what they're doing. And when you have a a kid like Mahomes back there and the receiving core that he has, his receiving core is underrated, gang. Uh We talk about it, Kelsey, and who, again, won't play today, but Tyreek Hill and several of the others out there. These are quality receivers. Yes, Mahomes gets all the credit for throwing the ball. you got to catch it, too. And these guys have been doing a great job of receiving. I'm, I'm very impressed with the way they play. And, and you're right, Joe, because they did play adverse. Uh, they, they faced an adversity. They're behind in this ballgame, 28-21. Mm-hmm. And they uh, come back to tie it up in the clutch and then go ahead and win it in overtime. Interestingly enough... The Chiefs actually won the game on the toss of the coin because you knew they weren't going to give it up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not going to defer there. I think what's been impressive or one of the things I want to talk to Josh about, you mentioned the receiving core, and the big names are there. 
Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And earlier this season, one of the things that we talked about was trust, that Patrick Mahomes did not seem to trust the other wide receivers, but Byron Pringle, McCole Hardiman, Demarcus Robinson have all had big catches and made big plays over the last couple of weeks. So that receiving core, I agree with you, Ned, underrated, but they are really starting to solidify. In a lot of yeah. respects, that is right, Joe. They are. They're trying to. They, they're getting more of a feel as to what's going on. But keep in mind that a lot of those secondary receivers do not have the experience of catching Mahomes' passes. Mahomes yep. throws that ball pretty doggone hard, like a baseball throw. As a matter of fact, when he comes around and throws that sidearm that they talk a lot about, that is a baseball toss, and it has a lot of speed on there. It takes some uh, physical understanding to be able to hold on to those footballs and and the experience of getting walloped when you're running across the middle. Kelsey takes mm-hmm. beating after beating in these games and still gets up and carries on. Well, that's all part of the game as well. Interested to see how they play today and how they restructure their offense, although I don't think it's going to take all that great a great an alteration in what they do. What are your thoughts on that, Josh? Well, I, I, I'm impressed with the development of these other receivers, too, because now it just creates more potential for big plays, more potential for quick plays. It opens up that offense even more because we, like you've said, we, we've talked about Kelsey and Hill, Kelsey and Hill, Kelsey and Hill. But now these other guys are getting that experience and are getting used to catching those balls from Mahomes, and they're doing it. That was another problem early in the season is there were a lot of drops, a lot of deflections that uh, led to interceptions and incomplete passes, and those were drive killers. But now they seem to be really blowing it away that way. And and then we we can't make light of their running game either. I mean, their running game, they've gone back to that. They've realized, hey, we average over five yards a carry when we run the ball. Let's run the ball more. And that has also set up a lot more of their passing game. And, Josh, part of the reason for that is the offensive line is working a whole mm-hmm. lot better now. They've come together. They do know their specific assignments. And as a result, you're seeing a much more a much more motivated level of football and a much more cohesive level of football, which did not exist at the start of the season. True. So, yeah, I think you've got to give the, the O-line a lot of credit. Here. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and like we've said before, they that, they were all new to each other at the beginning of the season. They blew up their offensive line and got brand new players in every position. So it's going to take a little while for those guys to become sure. a cohesive sure. unit. And so here we are, and they're they're doing great. Let's go back to a point that Josh made about that running game. Not only are the running backs playing extremely well carrying the football, but we're seeing big plays out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We're seeing big plays out of Daryl Williams catching the ball out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing Patrick Mahomes gain trust in more players than just Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and that makes the Chiefs a very dangerous offensive football team. You, can't, uh, oh, you yeah. can't just have two or three players. You have to have a team. It's a team game. Mm-hmm. Now, I sound like a coach yelling <laughs> that. At the, but, but, but in the Chiefs' case, that is true. We do t- uh, tend to give, from a media standpoint, the Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and Edward Solaire and people like that all the publicity, but... There's so many integral and inner working parts of what they do that doesn't get the publicity that really make this team what they are. What did you think of the Chargers last week? What did you see with them? Yeah, I I think they played well. I mean, they're a good team, and 
if they make the playoffs as a wild card, they could do some damage. Well, I think. I think they will. Now, I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, they're eight and six now. Does that, do you have the standings up there, Joe? I think I the Chargers are eight and six. I think you're right. I think they are eight and but, six. But I really feel like that's a playoff caliber team. They're playing the Houston Texans today in Houston and should win that game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for Los Angeles to get in there, but what they were playing for last week was home field. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're not probably not going to get that now. Eight and six right now eight is their six. record. Okay. And Houston is eliminated from the playoffs Correct. already, so they they may not put up much of a fight today. Let's rewind the tape back a few uh, a few weeks ago. Chiefs uh, four and five, or I'm sorry, they were they were four and four at one point mm-hmm. in the season. They've spun off seven consecutive wins. They've not looked completely like the Chiefs of old. I wouldn't say that they're the, the Chiefs that we saw last year, the Chiefs that we saw the year before. They're different Chiefs. They seem more mature. What are your thoughts on that, well, Dad? I, I think that's a, a fair statement to make. They are not They are not the fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants Chiefs that can get down 24 to nothing and come back and win the game like they did two years ago. But it is, it's a different, uh, an altogether different focus that they have because they do have different players and individuals who are operating under a different focus. A lot of it has to do with what, how they're coached and what Andy Reid wants out of this team. He knew, I think, in the back of his mind, as we all did, that what they used to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago is not going to work every year. No. That's, that's, a, that's a frenetic style of football. You can't get down like what they did and expect to come back year after year and game after game. It doesn't work that way. But by the same token, they are manifesting their talent into such a a good array of players. And unlike other teams, they have developed depth. And when you have depth, when you have those bench players coming in there, you can do an awful lot of things. I, I, I really like this ball club. I think more and more that becomes the key because it's such a, a war of attrition throughout the season. You've got to have some players that can step in and let your first stringer have a day off if he's got a nagging injury so he can get over it or just some some plays off so that they can recover from twisting their ankle or things like that. Josh, you talk about that too, the nagging injuries, and yes, that is part of the game, and that is where the Chiefs have been very golden this year, golden in terms of Good luck and lady fortune because they have not had that many great injuries. They have had a few. Of course, you're going to. But in terms of catastrophic injuries, no. They have had the COVID, which is rearing its ridiculously ugly head now with this week. But it's not going to be to the point where they are totally compromised in talent. That that hasn't happened. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your home for the Kansas City Chiefs were about... 50 minutes away from the start of the pregame show with Art Haynes, Dan Israel, and Mitch Holtis. Let's talk about that for just a second. Here are a list of the players that are out for today's game. Travis Kelsey is the big name on that list. So that means Blake Bell and Noah Gray getting a lot of reps today. Kyle Long is out. Lucas Niang, two guys on the offensive line. Who else do we have? Nick Bolton, guy who uh, I think should be considered for Rookie of the Year. He's played extraordinarily well in the mm-hmm. uh, Chiefs linebacking core, which I think that's a very underrated spot on that team. Those guys have played extremely well. Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Anthony Hitchens have all played extremely well. Rashad Fenton's out. Armani Watts is out. So another strength area for the Chiefs, the depth that they have in the secondary, which has always, for the last couple of years, been a 
been a sore spot for the Chiefs, but they have been stronger this year. But they've got a couple of guys out in that secondary. They do, but I think they have the talent to overcome that. Tyran Matthew will be in there. Charvarius Ward will be there. So they're they're in pretty good shape. And on the D-line, which missed Chris Jones last week, he mm-hmm. will be back in. And Willie Gay will be back in. The, the defensive team returns practically intact. Yes, there are a few absentees, but... By the same token, the defensive team, which has been playing spectacular football uh, ever since they changed the position of Chris Jones back, they're much more cohesive now. Uh, And you have Ingram back in there as well. He's playing. But the fact of the matter is that, uh, yeah, the defensive team is going to be playing very well. And that's key to why I think the Chiefs win today, because Pittsburgh's offense is very, very, very much in bad shape. The point that uh, the the part that's probably the most concerning or is the most concerning for the Chiefs is their special teams because Harrison Becker and Tommy Townsend, the place kicker and the punter, are both out. And uh, Johnny Townsend, who <laughs> is Ned and for me, Tommy Townsend's brother, mm-hmm. will be playing. How did, did you just call him up and say, hey, what are you doing, bro? Well, he, was, you... no, he was on the practice squad. Oh, was he on the practice and squad? They, they promoted him up uh, from that one. Now the other guy, Fry, Elliot Fry, yes. I he looks like he's about 10 years old, by the way. His <laughs> mom will have to pick him up after the game. Where does it say he went to college? Uh, does it say on there? Because I'm not familiar with this guy. Maybe he's still in high school. <laughs> I don't know. He's made one of one field goals, it says. All right, he's 100%. He's Who has 100%. he played for in the past? Um, I don't know. I'm not seeing any information here. I'm trying to find some stuff about this guy. Mo- my, mostly what I'm seeing here is that he's, he takes Butker's place because Harrison Butker can't play. Well, maybe maybe he's been on that uh, practice squad as well. Here, I'll look him up here real quickly. Uh, yeah, no, he's been in the NFL. He's played for the uh, Ravens, the Chicago Bears, Panthers, Buccaneers. This is a typical kicker. Yeah. He's been around all over the place. He is um, hmm, evidently not a college guy. And according to this, he didn't uh, education at Prince, Prince of Peace Christian School. Hmm. So he is in high school. <laughs> yes, <that's> actually. <laughs> Unless they're just not listing the college here. Coach Reed, can you get me in there sooner? My mom's going to pick me up a little bit later on. So I, I guess that's a concerning point about today's game is that you've no. got you've got the kicker and the the place kicker and the holder both out. Right. And that's that's a team that's a really underrated thing in football. Is the he holder is, and the kicker uh, undrafted? University of South Carolina. He's a, a gamecock and kicked uh, kick for them. Now their program hasn't been very good. No, but uh, nonetheless, this guy uh, apparently does have some capabilities because uh, Bears, Ravens, Panthers, Buccaneers, Falcons, Orlando Apollos. Huh? Who is it are the they? Arena League. Uh, well, they're 2019, and they are were in the Associate American Football. The Alliance of American Football. Oh, okay. I remember, remember that. that, thing that was I remember a, that short-lived thing. One of the networks put that together, and uh, it was supposed to be the newest. Yeah, it didn't last very long. The AAFL or <laughs> so AAF. That's where is that Elliot the one that went broke? Gone. They couldn't. They yes, couldn't, that they is. That's the one yeah. that couldn't hit, couldn't make payroll. They couldn't pass the checks. It's big time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He played for he played for Atlanta this season. One for one in field goals. Uh, it says this is his first year, though. Hmm. First season, so he's he, obviously he's a practice squad guy. Yeah, exactly. So he's taxied around quite a bit, but 
that would be the concerning point in today's game because those guys really have to work in tandem with each other. And uh, yeah, and how much time did they have to get ready for this game? Well, in the case of Butker, I think judging and he was he was declared uh, to have uh, COVID symptoms back on Monday, and that's when they knew he was not going to be able to play today. Okay. So if you're declared out by then, you know you have problems. So they signed this guy, Fry, probably latter part of last week sometime. So he's had a chance to go out and kick, but you know, by the same token, how do you practice kicking? Just kick and kick just and kick. kick and kick. All you do <laughs> is kick. You have to work with that guy. I mean, that's a, a very kind of special relationship that those two guys have with each other. Because oh, yeah. The, the holder really, I, I don't want to oversell this and make it seem like it's rocket science, but the holder has to catch that ball. He has to turn the laces to get him in the right spot, and he has to be sure the kicker's ready to kick. Yeah, but that's just it. It's the kicker who's who's new. It isn't the center and the holder. It'll be Creed Humphrey and whoever is it. It's, Chad it's, Hitty, I think, is who they no, bring in. It's Johnny Townsend. He will be the, he'll be the holder. Oh, Johnny Townsend is the holder. Yeah, Tommy Townsend's brother. I thought they had. Are you sure? Because that's Henny what, is Henny's the one who usually comes in there. No, it's it's Townsend. Okay, well they'll have to work then. Yeah, work with the. Hopefully they got some reps in because that is. I mean that's the key to ki- the kicking is you got to laces out, Dan. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to get the laces turned the right way, or the ball's going to go askew. No, I think we're making too much intricacy. We are. They'll this. just go for two point conversions all day, and, and it won't matter. And there will be a lot of them because the Chiefs are, I think, going to score big in this game. Well, it, uh, you know, something about kicking that always bothers me is they've got this huge thing to kick through, mm-hmm. and they always seem to squeak it by yeah, on the side. Squ- so why is that? But that's something to keep your eye on in today's game. Let's talk about, of course, Travis Kelsey being out with the uh, with the COVID protocol. We uh, the big news of the week. It's all over NFL. It's on ESPN's front page, CBS's front page, about him being out today. How much of a difference will that make to the Chiefs today? Well, to, it'll it'll take some and make some difference, but your, his replacement's going to be Blake Bell and uh, Noah Gray, the rookie, will be in there, and he has played quite a bit. Gray's out of Duke and a guy who caught a touchdown pass, I think, against the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. But not having Kelsey, your old pro in there, sure, that'll make a little bit of a difference. But keep in mind now, it's not it's not just a one-track pony that uh, Mahomes is working with. He has so many options, and he does have Tyreek Hill. He does have the other receivers. They have everybody else intact. And you have two good tight ends in Bell and Gray who can get things done. No, it won't be Kelsey, but I don't see, I really don't see any problem. I'll disagree with you a little bit there. Just because I see, I mean, Kelsey's the guy that catches it over the middle. Kelsey's the guy that catches it in the flat. Kelsey's the guy that gets those short yardage catches that turn into big yardage plays because of his ability. And so I think it I feel like it'll make a bigger impact today than that. I still think they'll be fine because they like we were talking about earlier, they've got these guys that have kind of come into their own as far as being part of the offense. But I feel like they rely so heavily on Kelsey in those key situations that it will be a bigger impact. We'll find out. He is probably, I think he's the best after catch with the ball. He gets the most yards after catch. I know, I know there's a statistic out there about that, but he is just when, after he catches the ball and he gets into open field, or even if it's not open, he just runs over guys. Oh, yeah. 
One more guy to mention before we move on and finish up this segment is Michael Burton has had a, a couple of really good games for the Kansas City Chiefs. The fullback spot is not something that they use a lot in design of their offense, but he he's played extremely well over the last few games. And I wanted to point that out before we uh, talked about we moved on to anything else. So another piece to their running mm-hmm. game coming together. They haven't had the sausage this year, but this guy is stepping up and playing extremely good football at this time. And it wasn't necessarily last week. He, he came on uh, two weeks ago and played very well indeed. And he's a guy who's also... This- Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. This just came across. Three Chiefs coaches are out of today's game. Quarterback coach, running back coach, assistant, and the offensive line coach all inactive today versus the Steelers. As the Chiefs and the Pittsburgh team will take each other on at 3.30 this afternoon right here on 104.7 The Cave. The pregame show starts in 26 minutes, 36 minutes. I'm sorry about that. My math is off. Steelers are also uh, affected by the COVID. They're tied in. They're starting tied in. Pat Freemuth is out today. They're really hurt on the defensive side of the ball. Chris Wormley, Isaiah Bugs, Devin Bush out their second string linebacker is out. They've got a third string linebacker out, and their punter is also out of the game, too. TJ Watt will be in the game, though. Quite a defensive TJ player. TJ will be raising all sorts of noise in the, in the <laughs> <laughs> or heck in the Chiefs backfield, too, because he is a tremendous defensive player. The, the Pittsburgh's problems, yeah, they have some personnel out, but their problems are even more in-depth than that. They are not a good offensive team. They can't run the football. They're the uh, 31st of 32 NFL teams in rushing capabilities this year, and I think they average something like five yards or some ridiculous thing per per uh, set of downs that they have in running. It's all relied on Roethlisberger and his passing capabilities, and they have been defensed. And teams have taken that away from them. Still, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And still, they can play football. And yes, they have a rivalry, a rivalry with the Chiefs. And yes, they will come in and play very hard on defense. I just don't think they have the capabilities to be able to score and to be able to play and stay on the field with the Chiefs. They're a good football team. I mean, they've, they've shown good moments during the season. But they've not played consistently like a good football team. I guess I'll retract my earlier statement. They just can't seem to put it all together at the same time. Now, they've got a tremendous receiver, Deontay Johnson, who plays extremely well. And Roethlisberger just has to throw it up, and that guy seems to come down with it. Roethlisberger's 40 years old, and he isn't getting the protection that he's had in the past. And he, even the guy who is 6'5 and about 250 or 6'6 and 250, whatever he is, he's taking a heck of a beating out there. And that will happen again today because the Chiefs are probably going to put a lot of pressure on him. He isn't the Roethlisberger of the past, nor is this the Pittsburgh Steelers team of the past. Still... They are a hard-hitting team and a club that can play. Joe, we've talked about this all year and for years in the past and in doing these shows. These are pro athletes, yeah. and they are capable 
each one of them are playing at a very high level of the game. So I think really when you put things together, sure, it's a, a capable football team, but they aren't as good as Kansas City talent-wise. Your thoughts on the Steelers, Josh? I'm always worried about the Steelers because they do have such a good core of talent, like you were saying. They have not had a good season. They haven't played well. They haven't protected Roethlisberger. He's been getting beat up quite a bit. Uh, but I'm always still worried about them because they are the Steelers. They have that mystique. They have that history. They're, they do have talent. So I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I think it's going to be closer than what Ned probably thinks. Really? You think it's going to be a close game? Yeah, I think it might be. I think there's a lot of concerns on the other side of the ball. There's something going on in the uh, Buffalo-New England game that's got all of our attention. Something is happening. It was an unsportsmanlike conduct call uh, that was made, and I think the player against whom it was made got a little uh, rowdy about that and and I think may have made contact with one of the officials. It seems like one of the Buffalo players also well in there starts to go back the other way. Yeah. Anyway, I saw anyway, guys. We're, don't admit that we're watching. TV. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw Coach Homeless make a uh, say nasty word on TV. I could speak of Brady's lips. Did you say Coach Homeless? Coach Coach Homeless. <laughs> <laughs> ben Roethlisberger is, uh, of course, a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's had a uh, an amazing career. He's uh, had some off field problems, and this is his final season. Am I am I correct on that? Probably yes. Yeah. You, not probably. You're correct. You are correct in assuming that it's probably his last season. But these guys have a way of coming back. Roethlisberger has been beat up, though, and even a big guy like that, he's taken a pretty good level of punishment. He is 40 years old, so it's those things are going to happen. I'm surprised that they don't. I'm surprised they don't have a better running game. Najee Harris has been a pretty solid mm-hmm. back for them, but this season just not so good. Running yeah. game's bad. It is 31st of 32. That's how they're ranked, and. That isn't going to win any games for you or many games for you. So they have, I think the level of their attack is such that they are relying almost solely on Roethlisberger's passing game and what he can do with a a fairly intricate level of passing routines that they have. But you have to win with more than that. And uh, that's why I don't think they are today. One of their strongest suits is on their sideline. That's Mike Tomlin. Josh? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, it's amazing to me to think, how long he's been the coach for the Steelers and they've had ups and downs, but it's like the organization said, this is our guy until he says he doesn't want to be our guy. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, I mean, they've had a down year, but he is a great coach and that that's another X factor because he, I mean, aside from him trying to trip other players on the sideline, remember that? Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he tends to find ways to beat teams that you think he shouldn't beat. Yeah. I, you know, talk about, Stability within an organization. How many years has it been? It was uh, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin. Those, yeah. those are the three head coaches of the Pittsburgh Steelers for the last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I think, if I remember correctly, that Tomlin has already exceeded uh, Cower in terms of length of time as the coach. I'm, I'm not 100% certain that's correct, but the fact that they've only had three. Thing says it all right there. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. all been very, very good coaches. They're an organization that's not quick to make a change. Mm-hmm. They stay with what they've got. They do what they do. And the Pittsburgh Steelers virtually look the same as they were in the 70s when they were winning Super Bowls. It's just a matter of attrition with the talent coming in and the talent going out. It'd be interesting to see what they do 
in the offseason with Ben Roethlisberger more than likely retiring. One of the reasons for that is their consistency with the ownership in the front office. It's the Rooney family that still runs it. They've run it forever. They owned the Pittsburgh Steelers back when, when before I was even in school. The the Rooney family owned this. So it's been uh, 60, 70 years of ownership with those teams. And you have to have that. The Mara family with the New York Giants, although they have not been greatly successful lately. But when you have that level of understanding, Bidwell's not uh, excluded here, uh, you do have a, a much more substantial base on what you're doing. And you see the same thing with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Hunt family. Mm -hmm. As you see what happens in the NFL when you have stability at at the head of the organization. When you don't have that stability there, then sometimes you have some things that don't work out so well. We'll be back in a minute. We'll do our next segment, which is the shot clock. I'll ask these guys some questions about sports. They don't know the questions, and we'll find out what they answer. It's coming up next right here on 104.7 The Cave, Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 23 minutes away from the start of the pregame show with Art Hange, Mitch Holtis, Dan Israel and the crew up in Kansas City. Last home game of the regular season for the Chiefs as they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers afternoon game. 325 kickoff. Until then, you got us and we've got our little game going on, which is called the shot clock. I ask a sports-related question. Maybe not. Maybe I should stop asking sports-related questions. Ask other sort of questions. See what trouble we can get into. I ask a sports-related question, though, to keep things on the safe side. And then we uh, get an answer. They have 45 seconds to answer that question or do their best to answer the question. I I would hope John last week, he kind of would end. He didn't use all his 45 seconds. And Ned cheated. He used a stopwatch so that he could be precisely (laughs) 45 seconds. But we're going to see how uh, Josh does with this today. And we'll start with our first question. And it will go to Mr. Reynolds. Yesterday, sports record broken. Aaron Rodgers passes Brett Favre. Your thoughts? Well, it was well done. I especially like Brett Favre's response to it. He sent a message, I guess a text message or telegram or however they do it. I don't know. To Aaron Rodgers. Telegram. Yeah, telegram's an old. It did exist, ladies and gentlemen, at one time. But uh, there was a text. And uh, Favre congratulated Rodgers on what he had done, breaking his all-time record for touchdown passes in a career. And I thought that was absolutely sensational. In fact, it was so good that it reduced Aaron Rodgers to tears. He and Brett Favre, of course, had something of a rivalry going, but to be congratulated by your opponent. And, and you think about that. This guy who got off to a you know, shaky start after a very, very inconsistent summer, here he is, a candidate for MVP again. I think he's a great player. Yeah, big sports record broken yesterday. Some people thought that when Brett Favre set that record with the Packers, it wouldn't be broken. Question going to Mr. Roberts today. Rex Ryan said the most dangerous team in the NFL 
is the Indianapolis Colts. Your thoughts on that? I would disagree with that. I mean, the Colts are good. They're playing good football. But I, I think the New England Patriots are, are uh, more dangerous than the Colts, and they're not even winning yet this game. But um, I don't know. I mean, in the in the AFC, I still I don't think it's the Colts. In the NFC, it's the Packers, really, just because they're playing so well. So in the AFC, I would say the most dangerous teams are probably either New England or uh, the Chiefs. Really? You, you just like... John, not using all your time. Yeah, I'm not efficient. Using your shot clock up. So okay, you guys are efficient with your shots. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to this really quickly. Ask Ask Ned this question. I I don't know how much you know about this because I know you're not a huge NBA follower, but there's some traction being gained for an in-season NBA tournament. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think it has some merit to it. It it would be stopping the season at midway point and then having a a play-in tournament, so to speak, in which you would readjust what you do in the second half of the season. Uh, I think it has merit, but I also think it's going to run into some opposition from the Players Association because it does put an extra amount of pressure on how you operate things. But uh, I, I can see the relevancy behind it. You have to understand now the NBA in many circles is now second to the NFL and Major League Baseball is third. Well, the thinking is you've got to keep them relevant and try to overtake the NFL and this would create more of a viewing audience for all the NBA games, and there are a bunch of them. But no, I, I see some merit whether or not whether or not it comes to pass remains to be seen. All right, I, we're going to do a free throw here. I got a couple of questions okay. to to piggyback on this about this. First of all, what's the point? What's the point of doing this? Keep the audience involved because you'll have teams that are really lagging behind, and you're you know put them on TV. Your audiences are going to be fragmented, so to speak. If you readjust the season, have a play-in tournament, and everybody gets hot all of a sudden, then you've rearranged the standings and so forth and so on. And the way that this is breaking down, though, it looks like it falls at midseason for mm-hmm. basketball. So can we point out where midseason falls at for basketball? You can't this year because of COVID. Well, but, but typically, where does midseason early fall Early March, okay. late February. What else happens in early March? Well, the NCAA, the and that's NCAA. exactly what they're looking to combat. Yeah. They're wanting, they're wanting to compete with the NCAA? With the TV audience, yes. Really? Sure. Do you think it's uh, the, the NBA season's too long? I yes. always have thought that. Yeah. I've, I've felt, what is the purpose when every, same with the National Hockey League, when every team, virtually every team, is going to make the playoffs anyway, why do you have this level of games and it's 81, 81 games? Why? What's the purpose? Well, well, you're eliminating thus and such and so and so. What, three or four teams? No, I, I've thought it's way, way too long. This seems just long. kitschy to me. It just seems kitschy to me, you know, just like let's do something. I, I've, I've been kind of an advocate of the, of the half seasons in Major League Baseball. I'm, a, I'm not a – I, I consider myself a traditionalist when it comes to sports, but I also like these ideas when they have – when you can hear somebody talk about them and give you the idea for why it's valid, why it has merit. This doesn't seem to have much merit to it. Uh, the Major League Baseball does, in my opinion. I do. I agree with you. I am not – I think that the – the half season's a totally great idea. The way they operate the Texas League, it's 140 games, and you, you call it after 70 games, you have another season. I think that has a, a lot of, or adds anyway, a lot of excitement and a lot of motivation to the playoffs, players. And it could, I think, 
from a uh, from a realization of things. It could happen uh, in in the National Hockey League or the NBA. I just don't I don't think it's going to work though. All right, you're on the shot clock, Mr. Roberts. Oh, question for you is where does Russell Wilson go at the end of this season? Oh my gosh, that that's an interesting question. Um, I I still think there's a possibility he stays in Seattle, uh, but I think it's more likely he's going to go to a mid-level team that thinks that that'll push him over the top. But I'm trying to think of a mid-level team that really needs... Oh, New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints or the Carolina Panthers. He wouldn't hmm. allow himself to go to Carolina, but New Orleans he would, and I think that's probably where he's going to end up. Yeah, I can see that it, for sure. It looks like his tenure is completely over mm-hmm. as far as being in Seattle. He wants to go somewhere else. Yeah. I think Seattle's in rebuilding mode right now. I'll tell you what New Orleans has done. They've gone to Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers in the last week and said, would you guys consider coming out of retirement to play for us? Well, if you're at that street, hey, Russell Wilson. He oh, yeah. Be. I didn't realize that. <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't hear that story mm-hmm. th- this week. All right, one last question. This one going to you, Mr. Reynolds, and I'm going to ask you this one as a baseball fan and just get your thoughts. It was announced that Cody Bellinger signed a one-year contract with the L.A. Dodgers. It was announced this week, but well, wait a minute. We're in a lockout. What's going on? The announcement was made this week, but all the details and everything were done before the lockout occurred. Oh, really? Uh Come on. No, 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 no. no. That had to be done because, well, you knew fully well the negotiations are going on between the two parties. Now, there may have been some things, may have been some chicanery involved, but the basic part of the agreement was all done before, uh, before the lockout. You really think that? I want to believe that. I call horse feathers on that one. <laughs> I mean, it's horse just, feathers. They would, and no, no, you have to understand that if that announcement's going to be made, the Major League Baseball and the Dodgers all know that the media, wait a minute, what are you doing? Hey, it's already taken care of. Right. Okay, what is the latest on the Major League Baseball lockout? Nothing? Nothing has happened, to my knowledge. I have to think, I have to think there have been some private negotiations going along somewhere along the line, but hope so. still we're going to have to maintain the thought that maybe a week before spring training that they'll get something worked out. Too much money involved. Josh Roberts is here this week, so Josh, I'm turning the microphone over to you for a minute or two so you can tell us what's going on in soccer. <laughs> or football, as football. it's called in well, the rest of the world. They... So around this time of year, it's it, there's this big crunch of games in the Premier League and in international soccer because they're trying to cram a bunch of of matches in to stay ahead of schedule or stay on schedule. Well, that's all been upset this week because of COVID. So a lot of Premier League games have been postponed. A lot of European League games have been postponed. They're kind of having some problems right now. They can't really seem to get it figured out and... I read an article today where they said that they really didn't develop any kind of procedure during COVID for if another spike happened. So they're in the same boat now that they were with the first spike. <laughs> they don't know what to do. And they're so, just not prepared. yeah, they're not prepared. And so they've postponed a bunch of games, including Liverpool is supposed to play Leeds United this today, and that was postponed. So I will see what happens. I mean, they're, that's their answer right now. Is to uh, is to stop games. <laughs> so, and the NHL is just shut down. They well until Tuesday. Yeah. They will re restart their season on Tuesday. But yeah, they shut it down. And 
the NHL players are, have voted themselves out of the Olympic Games. And this is very interesting because that was part of their contract negotiations with the NHL that we, the Players Association, that we'd be allowed to play in the Olympics. NHL said, fine, let's do it. And now with this COVID outbreak, everybody's agreed not to play. Now, that's not to say they won't have hockey. Yeah, they yeah. will. But it won't be NHL players who are competing. Military Bowl and Fenway Bowls both canceled due to COVID. Can't you see the na- No, I'm just kidding. The national championship won't be canceled because of COVID. No. There's just no However, way in hell. The protocol that they developed is very interesting. So in the semifinals, if one team cannot play because of COVID, they forfeit. If two teams in the same semifinal have to forfeit because of COVID, then the national championship game becomes the other semifinal. Also, if the two teams that get to the final, if one of them cannot play because of COVID, they forfeit. And the, so somebody could win the national championship without playing a game. It is possible. It's really, really And bizarre. they said the only time that they would consider rescheduling the game is if both of the national championship final teams have COVID concerns. Then they could push it back to the 14th of January and no later. Well, we live in a very bizarre world, gentlemen. Yeah, we do. We're about 10 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave. Mike's Ron, guys. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Mike's Ron there, guys, by the way. Just thought I'd share that with you. (laughs) You should have caught that ball. Yeah, we are watching the Bills (laughs) New England game 17 7 right now. Buffalo over New England. Here's the weather forecast for Kansas City this afternoon, 55 and sunny, so it should not be an issue, 63 for a high today. So we will not see weather play a part in this game. Doesn't say anything about wind, which might play a part in the game. Looks like the wind's going to be blowing to the northwest at 12 miles per hour. So we're all pulling for Mr. Elliott to have a great game. So let's do it. Let's do our picks for today's game. We'll start with you, Mr. Reynolds. Say Kansas City wins it, and rather comfortably, I'm going to say the Chiefs 30 and the Pittsburgh Steelers 10. Really? Oh, wow. That's what you think. (laughs) We're going to go with that. Have you placed chocolate chips on this? No, no. In fact, I've stayed away from all these pro games because they're so unpredictable. I bet all bowl games, and I'm winning because two of them have been canceled already. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What about you, Mr. Roberts? What do you think is going to happen? I feel like it's going to be a closer game than that. I'm going to say Chiefs 28 to 20. Really? Yeah, I just I'm always worried about the Steelers. They're just they there's something about them. They always play well. They play well. The they play well frenetically. Mm-hmm. I, I watched a game a couple of weeks ago when they were down really big, and then they came back and got back in the game. When I say got they got back in the game, it was they kept scoring, but the other team kept you know going down and getting a field goal or something. And they kept. Pittsburgh in an arm's length for this the entire was the game, game last week. I think that you're talking about the 1913 win over Baltimore. No, it was the week. It was the week, week before, before that. that. With the, it, there was a lot of scoring in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was that they were playing, but uh, so I, 
I don't know what to this game because Pittsburgh, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. I mean, they're real, real puzzler this season. They play well at times, and times they don't play well at all. So, but I, I do think the Chiefs will win this game, and I'm, uh, let's say, thirty-two sixteen. Oh, nice. What's the difference between it and thirty to ten? Come on. I don't know. No. <laughs> Two points and six points. Yeah, that's the difference. Oh. That's the math. <laughs> Who's your giving the Steelers one more touchdown in there? That's that's all right. Who's but, your player of the week this week? It's brought to you by Morrison, Webster, and Carlton. Ned Mahomes. Really? Who's your player of the week? Big difference. I'm going to go with uh, Chris Jones. I'll go with Travis. Oh no, wait, I can't. Uh, uh, I, I would go with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. There you go. Yeah, I, I hope think, he has a great game. You think Chris Jones is going to be hungry this week after setting out last week? I, I hope so. I'm sure you he will be, but by the same token, though, he hasn't played in, what, almost uh, 15, 16 days now. And uh, there was a time when he was kept off the practice field as well, so he may be a little bit on the rusty side still. But he's going to have some opportunities today because their offensive line is so bad. It is bad. Yeah, he so let's be in that backfield. Let's ask this question and get everybody out on this. What do you think? Do you think at all... The special teams' woes that the Chiefs are feeling right now, do they have any effect on the game at all today? I don't think so. Not in my opinion. I think the Chiefs win it outright 30-10, to 10, and I think they dominate the football game. What do you think, Josh? I think, uh, no, I don't think it will. I really don't. I don't okay. think it'll affect it. I think there's going to be I think there's gonna be a little wailing and gnashing of teeth for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we'll just see how many how many two point conversions today. <laughs> what do you think? How many do you think we'll I, see? I doubt that we see any. Josh says two. I think the Chiefs will go for two twice. I think he'll miss a field goal, and then they'll go for a two point conversion after that. Yeah, and maybe let him settle in a little bit. But you know, field goals big part of the Chiefs game. Harrison Butker is oh, nobody yeah. to uh, to sneeze at. All right, housekeeping. We'll be back on in a week, and we've got the early game as it stands right now. So we'll be on the air at 10 a.m. as the Chiefs take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Get set for the Chiefs and the Steelers. It's happening in just a few moments, the pregame. Art Haynes, Mitch Holtis, Dan Israel. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Brian Tyndall, Josh Roberts, Ned Reynolds, Nick Fury, Mike the Intern, We'll see you guys next Sunday. Enjoy the game.